Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So, today, I want to continue on on my series of paradoxes. How many know there's lots of paradoxes in the Bible? Some of you are looking at me funny. We talked about wisdom is better than strength. How many remember wisdom is better than strength? My daughter came up in snap sticks. And then we did dying to live. And today we want to do... Humility lifts you up. And oh, by the way, if you didn't get a chance to see those messages, feel free to go on our website and go to the archive and you can watch them. And if you want to watch it four or five times, that's okay. I like the extra hits. (laughs) So I was kind of laughing because I I, I had my wife's brother come up and sit with her today, Joey. And uh, we were talking last night And see, the last time when I preached on dying to live, Joey kind of went on my Facebook page and said, man, I gave him all that stuff. I was like, thank you, Joey. You did such a good job giving me all that information that I could preach. So I said, hey, I'm teaching on humility tomorrow. You got any tips? (laughs) He didn't send me anything today. No tips on humility, Joe? We'll work on it after. after. (laughs) I'm just teasing him a little bit. I teased Pastor Howie at first service because they've been married for 45 years. So I said, you want to know how they've been married for 45 years? One prefers the other and she prefers him. I've heard Alex Haley say that if you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he had some help. So I have to modify that a little bit for today's purposes. If you see a turtle on a pulpit, you know it had some help. Now you might say, Pastor RJ, why do you have a pink turtle on your pulpit? The primary reason is because I don't have a green one. <laughs> However, I'm pretty convinced that that could not have found its way there by itself. How many would agree with me? So hopefully I'll be able to come back to this a little later in the service, but if you see a turtle on a pulpit, it didn't get there by itself. So today we're talking about humility lifts you up. And C.S. Lewis, he's a guy I like, he says this, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. John Piper, humility is the opposite of a sense of entitlement. Spurgeon, you guys know him? One of the great preachers of old. It's a right estimate of one's self. Let's go in our Bibles to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I like that verse. It's one of my favorite verses. What is required of thee, O man? To love justice to walk humbly before your God. And then I want to get to this. Pride and humility are opposites. Pride is an anti-God state of mind, is what Lewis says in another place. 
So if you're operating in pride, you're operating in anti-God. Because God and pride are not compatible. You know this though, right? Okay. James 4.10, my main text for today, which is where we got most of this passage. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. What a great thought. If you humble yourself before the Lord, then he will lift you up in honor. So I want to go to my, I have some statements. I have five or six or seven. We'll see how many I get to before I run out of time. But my first statement for you today is this. Are you ready for it? Prayerlessness is a result of a lack of humility. If you are not praying, you are in pride. Because see, when you're not praying, what you're really saying is, God, I don't need to come to you for direction and guidance. God, I'm not interested in your wisdom. God, I've got this. I can handle this. I don't need to seek your face. God, I don't need to have to ask you for direction. I got it. Because otherwise, you'll be praying. So we see that prayerlessness is a result of a lack of humility. Now, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, which is a very popular verse that most of you would have heard, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. So if we humble ourselves, if we pray, if we seek his face and not his hand, if we repent of our sin and turn from our wickedness, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive sins and restore their land. We all like to hear from heaven and restore the land and forgive the sins, but it's always conditional upon our heart and our attitude. And without humility, you're not going to do any of the above. In Luke chapter 18, because prayer is good, but how many know you can pray with the wrong motive? Luke chapter 18. Verse 9, 10, 11, 12. Let's read this. Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. Let's pause there for a second. Now, how many know the tax collectors and the Pharisees were two different demographics of people? The Pharisees were the religious leaders. They were the ones that tried to keep all 613 of the Old Testament laws to the letter, to the best of their ability. And they prided themselves on their ability to do that most of the time. They still couldn't do it, though. And then there was a tax collector who would have been despised even by his own people. I mean, think about it. The tax collectors were the guys who had to take money from their own people and give it to the hated Romans who were occupying Israel at that time. The tax collectors weren't real high on the popularity list. They probably didn't get invited to a lot of parties. They weren't getting Christmas cards from all their friends because they didn't have too many friends. So two different demographics. Let's continue. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I am certainly not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. 
blah, blah, blah. He makes a list about how great he is. And then the tax collector stood at a distance, dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So we can pray sometimes with the wrong motivation. We can pray sometimes because what happens is the tax collector realized he needed the mercy of God. Whereas the Pharisee thought he deserved it. The tax collector appealed to God for mercy and repented of his sin, whereas the Pharisee just stated his accomplishments trying to earn his salvation. Where do you sit today? Are you one who tries to tell God how good you are by your works? Or are you one who throws yourself at his feet and appeals to mercy? I have a second statement. My second statement, the inability to be teachable is pride. If you're not teachable, you're in pride. We will never, ever know it all. Tony Miller comes in sometimes, statesman, master communicator. He said, I heard him say it on the stage, he said, I would gladly, I would trade everything I know for everything that I don't know. Now I asked at first service, how many of you speak 10 languages or more? Not too many. Five? A couple of you speak five languages? Perfect. Now, there's hundreds of languages out there, well over 200. I think it's in the thousands, actually. But would you gladly give up the five languages you know to learn the other hundreds of languages that you don't? I would in a heartbeat. I can always relearn English. Okay, so some of you are sitting back kind of snickering to yourself going, you don't have a mastery of English yet. <laughs> That's okay, I'll get there. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 31, 32, and 33. If you listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. Did you catch that? You want honor, humility precedes it. People who ignore correction, people who refuse to listen to the truth from God's word, or people who have no one speaking into their life are not operating in humility. Did you catch that last one? That was my favorite. Who speaks into your life, sir? Who speaks into your life, ma'am? Who do you call when you're in the struggle? Who sets you back on the right course when you start getting off? Because if you don't have anyone speaking into your life, how are you receiving wisdom? How are you ever going to be corrected? Who's in a position where they can do that? In 1 Corinthians 15, you see the Apostle Paul talking. And he's, he's basically saying in this verse, look, but whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his special favor on me 
and not without results. For I've worked harder than any other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who is working through me by his grace. Now, Paul was a pretty amazing guy. He wrote the better part of our New Testament. But he's saying, look, while I worked hard, God's the one that did it, and God's the one that gets all the glory. It's not about me, it's about him, and he's the one that did the work in me and allowed me to do this. If he was one of the greatest and says, it's not about me, it's about him. It's not me working, but God working through me. I'm just the vessel that God used. You see, Proverbs 10, 17 continues the conversation. People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore correction will go astray. Has anyone ever known someone who goes astray? Have you ever seen someone go astray because they ignored discipline and correction? How many of you have seen someone that does that? All of you. Every morning you look in the mirror. Doesn't it say we've all gone astray? <laughs> we've all missed the mark. <laughs> so, <laughs> Proverbs 12.1. To learn, you must love discipline. It's stupid to hate correction. So, we have to have some ability to learn from others, and we have to be teachable. If we are unteachable, we are in pride, which is the opposite of Humility. Here's my third statement. This one's great. Humility says, I am second. Everyone say that with me. I am second. No, not convincing enough. Try it again. I am. There we go. Thank you. You can go to Philippians chapter 2 while I'm working over there. Verse 3, 4 to start. See, that goes countercultural because the culture teaches you what? Look out for number one. So when you start reading in Philippians 2, don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of who? Others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. If I'm always second, then that means someone else is number one. How does that look like practically? Jack, you're number one. I'm second. Lynn, guess what? You can be number one too. I'll be second. Mary, you're a super number one with an exclamation mark. I can be number two. Joey, we'll be number two together, okay? <laughs> oh, wait, that's a little bit of pride. You can be number one, Joey. <laughs> you see, here's the thing. Jesus, who is God, is God, clothed himself with an earth suit. He clothed himself with human flesh. He gave up, it talks about in a second, I'll read it. But here, I'll read it right now. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. 
Instead, he gave up his divine privilege and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus took on an earth suit. I mean, he was outside of time and space and then he took on an earth suit, a body, flesh. He clothed himself. They call it the incarnation in theology. And he became human. Talk about humbling. I mean, it's probably not even close to this, but it would be like us coming to earth in the form of an ant. Now, some of you might not think that's such a downgrade, but in my opinion. See, Jesus clothed himself with the flesh. He humbled himself. And God raised him up to the highest place and gave him the position of honor. Now he judges the living and the dead. I am second. When Jesus was here on earth, what else did he do? He walked up to his disciples and took the lowest position and washed their feet. We have a hard enough time preferring one another, let alone washing each other's feet. And most of our feet are nothing like their feet back then. Because they wore sandals. And they walked on the same road that the horses did. And if you've ever walked behind a horse for a few minutes, you can imagine what was all over their feet. All right. I got this one from Joyce Meyer. Give her credit up front. Fourth statement from Joyce Meyer. Humble people are quick to forgive and difficult to offend. How quick are you to forgive? And how hard are you to offend? Because if you're operating in humility, you're very quick to forgive. If you're operating in humility, you're very difficult to offend. In 1 Peter, it talks about this. Chapter 3, verses 8 to 17. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. It's all about your attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. How many of you do that all the time? When people insult you, you pay them back with a blessing? When people do evil to you and insult you, you pay them back with a blessing? How many, how many are in the club? That's what God's called you to do, and he will bless you for it. Everyone wants to be blessed by God. So when people insult you, you bless them, and God blesses you. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Now, who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. So Peter's telling us there's this way that we're supposed to live as Christians. We don't live like the world system lives. We don't like, live like the children of this world live. You know what? When you're a dead person, you don't have an opinion. 
Remember our turtle friend? You're doing great there. To be honest, she probably doesn't care what I think. I don't think it really matters what I think to this little pink turtle. And the reason for that is it's, it's not living. It's dead. If your flesh is dead, it's not going to have any power over you. That's why people stand up every week and walk down and say, I want to get baptized, signifying my flesh is dead. We tend to take matters into our own hands and try to fix it. But we must keep in mind that humility is not about who is right, but what is right. Now here's the fun one, fifth statement. Humility is purposing to serve others. Can everyone say others? Purposing to serve others, Matthew 23. This is probably one of the keys that we have to understand today. The greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I want you to understand, when we're talking about others, your character will never be developed without others. You need people. In fact, I'll go so far as to say, you even need the annoying people, the irritating people, the frustrating people, the hard to get along with people. Does anyone know someone like that? If you don't know anyone like that, it's probably you. (laughs) I want you to understand Your character will only be developed when you interact with others. And it's in the process that God prepares us to go where he wants us to go and be who he wants us to be. See, my friend here didn't get up on the pulpit by herself. She needed some help. And the truth is, I can stand here and preach today, but... If the worship team didn't prepare your hearts in worship to receive the message, not as much of the word that I'm delivering now would be going in. And if the guys back there at the board, the sound people, didn't mix the band real nice, you wouldn't hear them or me, or if they didn't turn on the lights, you wouldn't even see me. If Ken didn't bring me a nice hot tea, you wouldn't hear me because my voice wouldn't last through the second service. They also do many other things, but I'm just using that for fun. And you see, your destiny is often linked to the people you are in relationship with. And if you're not humble enough to realize this, If you're not humble enough to learn from others and develop your character, you will never arrive where God wants you to be. And instead of sitting here where you're supposed to be, you'll be hidden in the back where no one can see you. Which is okay if that's what God has called you to do, but I'm talking about you're not using your gift. And what happens is when we learn to serve others, our character develops. 
Andrew Murray says this, God measures our love for him by the love we show our brothers and sisters in everyday fellowship with them. So God says, if you say you love me, prove it by demonstrating my love to the people that you interact with on a daily basis. And so many times we look at the people that frustrate us and irritate us. You know, how many of you love it when you're waiting in line because the lane's going to end because of the construction up ahead? And there's always one that decides to pass 400 cars and then cut 500 people and cut 400 people. How many of you love those people that do that? How many of you are the people that do that? But we tend to get frustrated and say, ooh, ah, I don't like you. But the truth is, maybe we prayed for patience and God is trying to teach us something. What a great opportunity. We often don't flip the situation around and look at it from God's perspective because we're always looking at it through the lens of self. And most of the time, we're in the muck, we're in the mud, and we're trying to dig our way out. And God's saying, let it go and take my hand. But too many times we think we know better than God and we never take his hand, though it's not far from us. And we never get lifted up out of our situation. People stay there for a lifetime. What a sad way to go. And then, uh uh-oh. guys will like this one. My sixth statement. Ready for this? Humility is willful submission to authority. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 and 6. In the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you serve each other in humility, for God opposes, opposes the proud, but favors the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Now, I want everyone to circle at the right time. Underline it. Highlight it. Take that verse and copy it out with the highlight and the circle and put it on the fridge because so many times people don't understand what the right time of God is. Has anyone ever cooked Mm, chicken. And the rest of you don't eat chicken? <laughs> or you just don't know how to cook? You like to eat chicken, but here's the thing. If you're cooking chicken and it says to cook it at 350 degrees for 32 minutes, which seems like a long time, and you only cook it for eight minutes, what's the problem going to be? It's not done yet. So what happens when you try to eat chicken that's not done yet? You get sick. Why would you want to walk in the destiny God has for you before your character is prepared for it? So we have to come to a place in our life where we humble ourselves and we're willing to stay there until such time that God puts us where he wants us.
And there's too many people trying to put themselves where they think they're supposed to be. My final thought, and then I'll start closing everything down. There's a difference in serving God or obeying God to get things from Him and serving God to act like Him. See, God always intended for you and for I to be like Him. If Jesus served, we should serve. What's your motivation? I believe that Luke 14 verse 7 through 11 tells us that the motivation that we're supposed to have for serving others should always be love. If love is not your motivation, then what is your motivation? Because if you're humble, you're going to walk in love. So if you're not walking in love, you're probably walking in pride. Luke 14, verse 7. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you'll be embarrassed and will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you'll be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's enough for now. I believe that when we take our proper position in the kingdom and we're willing to serve others, no matter what that looks like, and while we're serving others, God perfects our character so he can take us to the place that he wants us to go. But you're gonna need to be teachable. You're gonna need to pray. You're gonna need to remember that I'm not first, I'm second. You can ask my wife. <laughs> this probably is something that irritates her and is working on her character. When there's a buffet and people get invited to go up to the buffet, where do you normally find me? <laughs> and where do I end up? She said, I'm usually sitting at the table and I end up near the end of the line. I just am kind of like that. Go ahead, everyone else can eat. I'll get there when I get there. just always been that way. I don't like being first. <laughs> I, uh, let me rephrase that. It's not a like issue. It's just a I need to prefer others issue. But do we do that all the time in life? Do we prefer others? Do we put someone else's needs before our own? In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, and ushers, if you want to hand out the communion elements at this time, you can all stand up with me and stretch out a little bit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. What a great exhortation. Always be humble and gentle, patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults 
because of your love. So, when I was praying for this message, I really felt that a communion, as I was talking earlier, some of you are in the muck. And you've been trying really hard to get out of the muck. But I don't think you've come to the realization that it's your pride trying to do it on your own. And if you hear anything today, God's saying, let it go. (laughs) Stop trying to solve it on your own. Humble yourself before me and let me lift you up. We don't have to promote ourselves. We don't have to toot our own horn. You don't have to tell me how great you are. Let God exalt us in our gifts and our talents and our abilities. Let God pull us out of the muck (laughs) that we find ourselves in. And you know, he went to the cross and, and his body was broken. And oftentimes we break our bread representing his broken body. And when Jesus went to the cross, his body was broken for your sin and for my sin. And really, he was humbled to the point of death, it said. He was willing to die for us in an earth suit. What a crazy way to show love for humanity. But I'm so glad he did because he restored us to our relationship with the Creator. And now we have access to the Father And as we humbly walk out our salvation each day before him, we can realize that he wants us healed mind, body, and spirit. And his broken body made a way for our bodies to be healed. He made a way for us to have peace in our hearts and our minds. And some of you are going to need real soon to have a conversation with the creator. You might need to come to the altar and kneel down. No one has to pray for you because really it's just a matter of you letting go and letting God inside of your life and and taking the humble position. Some of you have been prayerless. You haven't been praying. You haven't been connecting with the Creator. And you need to repent of that and seek His face and stop trying to seek His hand because the only time you pray is when you want something. Father, I thank you as we look at the bread in our hands that your mercy is great in our lives and your truth is present. Lord, as we can take a humble position and acknowledge you and our great need for you and how lost we would be without you, I thank you that you heal us, that you free our minds of all the torment and you bring us to a place of wholeness. So as we partake, Father, of the bread I ask that each and every person will be able to walk in the humility that you've called them to. And we can trust you in the process until such time that you lift us up. In the name of Jesus. And he took the cup, the blood of the new covenant, which was represented by the juice. But really, that's what liberated us from the curse and from the power of sin and the grip of hell. So Father, I thank you that the blood of Jesus brings freedom. It brings forgiveness. 
that there's a freshness and a crispness in the air with the blood of Jesus present in our life because we're not walking in bondage anymore. We're walking in freedom. And Lord, I thank you that you've restored us to relationship with the Creator. And without you, we would be lost without hope. So today, Father, as we look at the cup, we're grateful to you for forgiveness and for freedom from the curse. And I ask, Lord, that you're going to help all of us to love one another as you have called us to. In the name of Jesus, amen. So God bless you all. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great week.